Rodgers almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Special final to patch of the game and Dirty South Soccer is over there. I'm Jay Sam Jones from MLSsoccer.com and the striker Atlanta. Joe Patrick. It was close. It was close. Yeah. They, they were they were close there, weren't they? Yeah. I was gonna say it, slow it, news week. It was just nothing going on really. <laughs> this will be a very short episode. Just get in yeah, and out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Quick run, quick run here. But I don't know, man. It's uh, it's a lot to kind of process and kind of take in. I don't know if I have like fully processed all of it yet. I will yeah. need to sit down in front of a, a word processor soon and, and write out all my feelings on everything. But maybe we can talk through a little bit here. A bunch of big news to get to this week in Atlanta United World, obviously. And me and Joe Patrick have probably talked about it a few times at this point. <laughs> That's just what we do. We just keep talking about these things and... <laughs> Remember that every podcast is somebody's first podcast. So That's even right. if we repeat ourselves a ton of times. Maybe here, this podcast more than any because we've had a ton of new subscriptions. Well, I mean, people have probably been listening to this podcast for a while before they sign up <laughs> for the Patreon. But I know we've had a ton of new signups on Patreon thanks to the uh, Jeff Lorenowitz and Michael Parkhurst. Uh, fantastic show that they were able to come on. Made fantastic by just because of all the insights they're able to share. So thanks to those guys, but also thanks to everybody who decided to pitch in the five bucks to be able to hear that. And hopefully you want to stick around, you know, keep hearing more of these pods. We've got more coming up. We're going to have Felipe Cardenas on later this week, which is mm-hmm. always exciting mm-hmm. to talk to Felipe. We're not, we're, we know we're going to get into some real meta conversations and some real deep conversations, really meditate on Atlanta United, uh, <laughs> which we tend to do with Felipe. So it's going to be fun. Good stuff coming up. What a time to do it. It's almost a bummer that we, we thought we were getting Jeff and Parky at like the seminal moment right, of right. Atlanta United <laughs> yeah. chaos. And yeah. then Darren swooped in on Friday right. and said, no, 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 no. We need to get him back. There's yeah. more to come. Right. Exactly. Now we exactly. need Darren stories once uh, yeah, <laughs> once that's kosher. It would be it would be fascinating to get them back to talk about the front office in general. Mm-hmm. Once it would. Perhaps those changes are, are fully uh fully done if if more changes are are here to come or or possibly on the way all sorts of fun things to kind of talk about there right yeah for sure whole lot to check out we'll have a bunch more throughout the week on patreon.com slash five stripe final again check out that interview with jeff and parky together check out our interview with felipe carden that's coming later in the week and a whole lot more as we move throughout another just hectic time in Atlanta United it's never boring around here is it it is never boring it seems like every season there's like some major circumstance that happens that's incredibly dramatic whether that's in a good (laughs) sense from like MLS Cup happening in 2018 to there was I mean there was a lot of drama in 2019 even though that season ended up relatively well there was the mid-season drama there was I think it was LGP like speaking out at all-star game weekend and like that was a huge thing um and then obviously with what happened 2020 2021 with Todd or with Gabriel Heinze so yeah I mean it's been just crazy ride here I'd buried that LGP thing but yeah, you're I know. absolutely right yeah you're absolutely right drama is the word of the day Joe Patrick if we're gonna have one for this one we've got a whole lot more to kind of talk about 
in regards to that and even in regards to the game yesterday yeah. there, there was some drama as well yeah. i thought so a whole lot to get into but first we've got to get into business time Business time. Joe, Patrick, a couple quick hits to touch on. Right quick, did see Andrew Gutman at training the other day, doing some running, doing some dynamic movements. I didn't know. I don't think I saw him like uh, sprint at, at full speed or anything like that, but I think he did get some strides in and things like that. Looking decent, right? Mm-hmm. He, he should be back relatively soon, which is a good sign for Atlanta United, as good as Caleb has been at times. Gutman obviously more experienced. Gutman just maybe the best player through the first half of the season for Atlanta United pretty mm-hmm. clearly almost, I yeah. think. Yeah. So to have him back will be another tough problem for Gonzalo Pineda to have to deal with, which is nice. And just at the most basic level, just fresh legs. Like Caleb has been playing yeah. a ton of games lately at a position that is probably the one that takes the most out of you as like the fullback mm-hmm. or the wingback. So yeah, Caleb, I'm sure could definitely use some some games off or some games just coming off the bench. Interesting to note, I think that you mentioned it to me earlier. I wasn't able to actually be uh, at the Pineda scrum last scrum when I guess uh, Gutman was seen there doing some stuff. But he said that he would maybe uh, like to use Caleb Wiley a little bit higher up the field if it means that. Once Gutman comes back and he can use him as left back, maybe use Caleb Wiley as a left winger or off the bench as a left wing option. Uh, that seems pretty tantalizing. And I think that's something some we've seen a little bit of what he can do in that position earlier in the season already. So that could be exciting news. And just to give some more detail about Gutman, Pineda did say uh, that he expects Gutman to start to take part in team training on a partial basis starting this week ahead of preparation for the galaxy. Uh, that probably means like participating in rondos and doing those kinds of things similar to what we've seen Santiago Sosa do as he had to like slowly work back from whatever issues he was dealing with. And then uh, just, you just hope to hear that he has joined full training as soon as possible, because once he joins full training, that means he's essentially training as, you know, com- competing to be in the first team. Yeah, hopefully he's good to go by Seattle. I could see it happening, uh, maybe at least on the bench mm-hmm. for Seattle. It's, it's good news. It's good news. Other good news, Joe Patrick. Uh, we, I, I launched a website on Friday. Yes, you on did. On Friday, of all days. Uh, the Striker Atlanta is live. Head to thestriker.com to check out all of that stuff. I promise it's halfway decent. Other news, Joe Patrick. Edwin Mascara is officially here at Atlanta United. I don't think he's arrived yet. That's my understanding. That's correct. I, yeah. I didn't see him the last couple of days. He's not here yet. Still dealing with uh, getting eventually. his getting his P one visa sorted out. So there's just paperwork that has to be done before he can officially yeah, come come to the country and, and start playing and with the team yeah. so i asked, just I asked around about a timeline for that and no one knew anything. there's never really it's a timeline just, you never yeah. know right yeah you just don't know when the paperwork is going to be processed so it's just a waiting game yeah i think we talked a bit about him before but a u22 player uh colombian who seems to have pace at the very least i don't know what the end product is necessarily going to be like i don't know how it's going to translate to mls but pace is good it can't hurt right mm-hmm. yeah and and also I, I think a lot of people are concerned that atlanta may be like wasting a u22 slot on a player like this i would expect mascara to be a player who comes in because they have this open u22 slot so you might as well use it on a player like mascara and then i would not be surprised to see him moved out of that designation next year uh because it sounds like he's coming in on a very meager transfer fee he's mm-hmm. coming in overall on money that will likely be you'll be able to kind of 
put him out of that kind of slot. And if you make a bigger transfer for a young player that could slide into that U22 slot, that would negate the transfer fee. That would be a more prudent use of the U22 slots. But they've got it open right now, so they might as well just stick him in there for now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they probably don't have any extra money. So they can. it's essentially just a free spot, spot uh, to slide a player in. So that's what they're going to do with uh, Mascara. And who knows how good he's going to be. I mean, we'll see when he gets here. Anything else happened this week? Uh, I don't know. Can't think of anything. Oh wait, right, cool. Let's oh, wait. move on. This Darren was running scared of you opening up the striker. <laughs> <laughs> it was either that or Darren, out of the kindness of his heart, was like, "Hey, that, that kid's watching that website." Let me today. give you a boost. Here you go, bud. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Darren Eels, club president of Atlanta United, uh, just for a couple more weeks. Heading to Newcastle United to take over as CEO. There, where do we even where do we even start, Joe Patrick? With so, this, well, first of all, it sounds like you know his last day is officially August eighth, but it certainly yes. seems like you know they're wrapping up. Like he was not there. I don't know if he was at the stadium. He was today. there. Yeah, he was. Okay, they, so he they, was they, there. They cut to. I rewatched the game and they cut to a shot of him just kind of sitting there by himself. He looked really sad. I'm gonna be honest. That is sad. That is sad. Of course, I think it was like five minutes after Mauricio Pereira scored, uh, <laughs> yeah. but still, I was like, man, is he yeah. good? But he wasn't there. I mean, Gonzalo Pineda noted that he like wasn't there for the normal like handshake that they would do when he comes in, and um, yeah. So I mean, I think that some of those things are already starting to wind down. He's kind of in the background now, and he will be until his official day, his official last day comes. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, it's huge news, obviously. Uh, and I'm still like we were talking about earlier, just still trying to process it all. I've been thinking about it pretty much pretty constantly, just about how much the club Atlanta United has is, has embodied, you know, his vision of things and how much Darren Eels really is at the at the nuts and bolts of everything that Atlanta United is today and I think it's one of the reasons why Newcastle tapped him up to be their guy because we talked about this when we were doing a, a show from the, the strikers tailgate yesterday, but you know, he was a guy who helped set up the Atlanta United brand as this big global brand and to try to burst through the MLS bubble and enter the global realm of soccer. And I think he successfully did that. Now results on the field have kind of stifled some of that a little bit, but I still think Atlanta United is a name, at least just in a name alone, a brand alone that kind of rings above a lot of other MLS teams, despite the fact that the team has been poor. So I think that that's probably what Newcastle was looking at, because this Newcastle is a new generation of Newcastle with new money, and they're going to be trying to compete at the highest levels of the game, and they're going to want that brand to be right up there with the play that they think they're going to get on the field. So um, they looked at Darren Eels as the guy who was going to be able to do that, which I think speaks a lot to just how successful he was in setting all that up here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The proof of concept is there for, for laying the groundwork for that kind of thing. Newcastle needs some infrastructure updates in a major way from my mm-hmm. understanding. Uh, but the easy part for Darren is he doesn't necessarily have to start drawing in fans or anything like that. There's obviously already a huge fan base there and, They'll give him every opportunity, and he'll have every available resource to, to succeed there. You know? I remember, I, I remember when Almiron moved there, and I was like, "Wow, he's he's moving to a worse training ground than is in Atlanta yes. United." <laughs> <laughs> of course, I, I'm praying heavily for anyone moving from Atlanta, Georgia, a top ten city mm. in the world, in my opinion, <laughs> to Newcastle upon Tyne. So, look, <laughs> prayers, honestly, uh, but. You know, uh, you have to imagine he'll 
be able to to put a friendly face on that and i don't know uh, there's a lot to get into with that in particular i'm maybe not going to touch on that today uh but in the end he leaves atlanta united with a legacy of being the guy who laid the foundation for all of this right there is none of the the drama and none of the the caring so much about all these things without darren and his beginnings as a guy just sitting alone i think in the atlanta night office with literally just a phone in front of him yeah and being the guy going around to all these different kind of sort of soccer based events around atlanta oftentimes in costume dressed up as like someone from like the adams family or wearing a goofy sweater or something like that, all just to, to proselytize and, and spread the word about Atlanta United being a thing in the first place. Was it always perfect? No. Have I disagreed with Aaron on many things? Yes. Sure. Yes, I have. But uh, in the end, you know, we wouldn't be here without him in a lot of ways. So it's a it's a complicated legacy, I think, in the end, especially with, with where he's going and what his role might be at this club with new ownership. I'll just say it. I think that in some sense that he's being asked to be a happy face on a not so happy thing, to be totally frank. That's my general opinion right now. And that could change. And I'm still heavily processing that as a whole. So I don't want to dig into it too much, but like I said, uh, there's a lot to be grateful for in some sense for Darren. And also a lot to think about in the sense that, this was maybe the right time for everyone involved, not just the club, but for for Darren to move on and to allow something else to take place in Atlanta United within the front office and within the structure of the club that moves them beyond this team that nailed the beginning and has struggled with the next steps after that. Whoever comes in now can start to build off that in a way that maybe the first person couldn't. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that he came here with a certain job, like you said, like his job was to get this thing off the ground. And he did that in a way that I don't know if we've seen happen in the sports world, really, like to to take a club. You know, it's one thing if you're like starting like a the Carolina Panthers or something, you know, like in an established league like the NFL, it's like there, there's not that much to do other than just kind of get the club going on par with other teams within the league. But soccer is a whole different thing because not only are you kind of competing domestically within your own league, but you're also trying to, in Darren's case, garner a reputation around the world. And part of that is comes down to you want to be able to recruit guys to come in and you want, you know, them to come to a place where that they feel like it's a big club that's going to be good for their careers. So there is a little bit more um, like individual autonomy in terms of in, in, in a soccer respect, in terms of like things you need to do uh, as opposed to starting a, like a big NBA, like an NBA team or an NFL team. So there was, it was a huge job. And I, I'm sure for an operator like Darren, I mean, that's uh, a, 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 a huge challenge and a very rewarding challenge. And I think that, you know, moving to Newcastle, you know, it's probably one of the few opportunities that he would have that he would probably, you know, leave all of this because I know that for, for someone like him to leave something that you've built from the ground up, Uh, or at least helped you know like obviously it wasn't all him but you know he had a as big of a role as anybody and to just 
leave that behind, I'm sure is really tough for him. I'm sure that he is really sad about it. Um, but at the end of the day, again, this Newcastle project, I'm thinking about it just from his standpoint, you know, the, the resources that they will have to, to do what he wants to do as an operator to try to build that club up into one of the biggest in the world. It's one that I can't imagine anybody like, you know, it's just, it's just a dream opportunity for someone like him to get to do what he does. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I totally understand. I mean, look, we can just put it out there. Like the the issue with, you know, the, the moral issue with this is that, you know, there's new Saudi ownership. The Saudi Arabia is like one of the biggest exporters of terrorism and like bad evil, like around the world has been for many years. And obviously the recent murder of Jamal Khashoggi from the Washington Post is a huge contributor to, you know, these bad relations that Saudi Arabia has, not just with like the United States, but with like West, the wider Western world. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like there, like that's, that's the cloud over it for me personally. I don't like, you know, I feel like I, I under, like, I don't think Darren's going there to try to like, you know, like help that uh, I, I know people will take different opinions of it but that's just like my opinion is I feel like um, I know Darren's going to want to go there because I know he's he loves soccer he loves building like a community of soccer like he did here um, and I know like you know it, it's I don't know complicated sure. what were you going to say it, it, it's complicated it, but uh, my thought is you can't compartmentalize these things it, that is my personal opinion that's just my thought and Again, it's a it's a complicated legacy that he's kind of building here, and a complicated one he's leaving in Atlanta. Quite honestly, I mean, we were having discussions even just last week about the state of the front office as a whole. And yeah. I think now that that Darren is leaving, we can <laughs> we can talk about what's next, right? And what's next might be something very different than what we have now. Right. We did talk about the front office. I said that there was like no chance, zero percent chance he gets fired because like, <laughs> I there think was like we both people did. like I think we were like, it's, not it's like, no, yeah. like, like that's not going to happen. Um, he's essentially getting like a massive like it's not like a, technically a promotion, obviously, but it's like a better job uh, that he's that he's leaving for in terms of the stature, the you know, the the. Yeah, the, the stature that Newcastle will have in the game. I mean, it's just, again, it's a dream opportunity to be able to work with those resources and build a club up that has a ton of tradition and it's where he's from, you know, so it's just um, it's it's one of the few opportunities I have to imagine that um, he would he would probably leave for. Maybe some of the other ones would be like a similar role at like a Champions League club, like a Chelsea or a, something like that, too. So I, I always thought it was going to be some kind of role within Spurs. I always uh, thought he might take over yeah, for no. Daniel Levy because I've actually heard I, that Daniel yeah. Levy is uh, probably like toward the end of his time now that Tottenham Stadium has been built. And I think that his, wa his wife has had um, cancer issues and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I think he wants to kind of retire a little bit early. So yeah, I, I thought that as well. And uh, who knows? Maybe it could it, come down it the still line. still maybe, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right? He, he maybe gets in a, the foot in the door of Newcastle and moves on to, to Spurs at some point here. Um, but let's talk about what's next, Joe Patrick. Because now that Darren is out, to be blunt about it, you've been given you've been given like a hall pass here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you're given... now you're dealing with a different hand that's been dealt to you. Mm-hmm. You, you, if you are AMBSC, the Arthur and Blank Sports Entertainment Group, and you've been worrying about the state of the front office in general, and worrying about what decisions you'll have to make about perhaps the the general manager position with Carlos Bocanegra, you've been kind of given this like almost Deus Ex Machina thing here of okay, if if this is the 
excuse we were looking for to maybe move on and try something different, we've been gifted it, right? What does different look like in this case? There is really no way to know for sure, but we can make some theories. I've put forward a few theories. The internet's put forward a bunch of theories, right? The the ones we kind of keep coming back to as far as MLS guys is looking at Garth Lagerwey in Seattle, who is the, the president and GM there. He does both, right? And he would want the same role in Atlanta. He would want that full control from my understanding. And his contract is essentially up. And his contract is essentially about to be up. He's up for re-election, which is how they do it in Seattle. It's like... (laughs) Fancy, right? Um, I was going to make a joke too, but... I've got nothing nice, right? (laughs) But, um, you know, if, if if you back... Arthur Blank's money yacht up the the sound there and take it right up to Garth Lagerwey and say, all right, you not only do you have total autonomy and, and like control of Atlanta United, we're going to pay you a ton to do it, right? It's a pretty good selling point. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good selling point, especially considering that, you know, he's familiar with what Gonzalo Pineda wants to do and will have experience building a similar culture to what Gonzalo Pinedo wants to build here. He'll have resources. I think that Seattle is very well off, right? I think they could go after anyone if, if they wanted to, but Atlanta United has shown to be maybe even a step above that. I think it's, I think so clearly. Yeah. So you have even more to play with there. You do kind of leave your baby behind, but what else do you need to accomplish in Seattle? Now that you've already won two MLS Cups and the CONCACAF Champions League, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's a pitch here. I don't know if it's a, the best one. I don't know if it's one that's going to resonate with him, but there is a pitch here. I want to say, like, uh, just to add on briefly, I don't know if there's anything that like Atlanta United can say to Garth Loggerway that's going to pull him, that like would change his mind if he really wants to stay in Seattle. Um, but I think that when in Garth Loggerway's position – when you achieve the pinnacle, when you win CCL, sometimes it just feels like, okay, now I need something else. Even if that something else is just going somewhere else and doing something very similar, uh, you just kind of need that next thing to challenge for. And it can ju- just anybody, and I'm not even talking about in soccer and in, in anybody's normal job, like when something becomes stagnant or whatever, like you just have that urge to kind of need to leave and, and shake things up and, and try something new. So yeah. Um, I think that that could be one of the motivating factors in getting him to Atlanta. I'm, I'm very interested to say, to see how Atlanta United deals with this in terms of the rest of the front office. Like we were talking about, like, do you take this opportunity to, you know, obviously people have had their issues with Carlos Bocanegra. I think that the results on the field have reflected some of the pro- the mistakes that he's made in some of the roster constructions or deconstructions <laughs> as it were um, a few years ago. So is that an, does does Atlanta United take that opportunity to to maybe replace him as well? I think that a lot of that will come down to their conversations that they have with prospective presidents and what they want to do. If you bring in a guy like Garth Lagerway, he's almost surely going to want to also control the roster. So like whether that means he brings in somebody else who he trusts to be the technical director, or if he wants to assume the duties of the technical technical director, um, you know these are all things that uh, that will come through these conversations that they have with with prospective presidents maybe a president's like no i I really trust 
Carlos and I want him to be the technical mm-hmm. director. Um, and maybe that's something that it, Steve Cannon and company likes or doesn't like. I don't know. But I think that, uh, you know, the the person, the individuals that they are talking to about this position are going to have a large influence o- over what happens with the rest of, of the front office. I will also throw out an idea that um, a president could come in and maybe want to replace the technical director. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Carlos Bocanegra would Absolutely. be out right. of like out yeah. of a job at Atlanta United. He could be moved into a different role as well. So there's all kinds of different possibilities that could happen here. What's our bit always been about Bocanegra being the the recruiting coordinator yeah. to some extent <laughs> yeah. for especially yeah. the American guys? Right, right. If, if, tag team it i don't know i mean know. he's got he can still effectively do that he does have connections with like a lot of agents he's played in europe and um obviously he has very close connections with u.s men's national team players so and their agents specifically so mm-hmm. that, i mean they're yeah that is the usefulness i think that in what we'll probably talk to Car- uh, felipe about felipe cardenas about this week is that i think maybe he's been a little over reliant on the agent uh, relationships mm-hmm. in recruiting mm-hmm. players maybe that's the only thing or the 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 primary thing that's been the driver of certain players coming to Atlanta. Um, so I think that those are some of the things like, you know, building out, really fleshing out and giving vo- like um, power and decision making to the analytics and, and you know, uh, recruiting analytics people in the front office. I mean, I think that, that that's something that will almost certainly change. Uh, not to say that that doesn't exist now, but again, I just don't think that I think that they have some input, but at the end of the day, it's just input that then goes into somebody else's decision making. It changes. It only changes though if they go outside the organization. I think. Yeah, correct. I, right? I agree. Because the 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 money line kind of uh, top odds getter here to take the job, I think, is still Demetrius Sestafiu, who is the vice president of Atlanta United. He's been here for. He'll be here for like literally exactly a year to the day when Darren leaves. And there is a pretty good argument to make that that he was maybe a contingency plan if this were to, to ever have happened, right? Or I remember reading his duties. I was up. like, this just sounds exactly like what Darren would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's totally not out of the realm to imagine, especially with the history of AMBSE and, and how they've run the Falcons for a while, right? To, to imagine some loyalty there and to see if Stathieu take over that role after a search that maybe doesn't extend across the full reach of, of the world, right? So we we could see that. We could see that. Uh, Demetrius Stathieu, guy who joined MLS, I think back in like 2011, his general counsel, uh, did some work on the player side of things as well. Knows the league very well, obviously, and... You know, would need to do some convincing for Atlanta United fans, I think, if he were to be hired. Because I think Atlanta United fans would see this as more of the same after being kind of gifted an opportunity for change here. And I don't know how well that would be kind of received initially at the very least, right? Um, Obviously, we won't be able to have any kind of verdict on him for a few years if that is the case. But... As of now, he's the most likely option simply because he's already there. So yeah. keep that name in mind as we move forward. There's so many different factors that go into this hire that are going to be so important. I mean, something that we talked about for a while yesterday, Sam, was that 
Darren Eels has been essentially like the mascot or the the public face of this team personnel wise for since since its inception and, and per one april fool's day bit has literally been <laughs> the mascot and nobody else that they hire is going to be that guy like that that is a unique trait that darren eels has the charisma that he has the willingness and the want to be able to to go out there and be on the radio um i'm sure he doesn't want to do it during tough times but i mean he wants to kind of be the the face like he wants to do the bits um Mm -hmm. on twitter he enjoys it i think so that's something that they're just not going to get out of the next person almost assuredly i will say that garth lockerway gave this speech before uh, it was like the game before the ccl final that was very like have you ever seen what's the politician i think it was howard dean who did yeah. that and then we're gonna it, it was a lot like that like and then we're gonna take the white house and then we're you know like all that kind of thing it was very much like that so maybe garth lagerway has um some mic skills mm, that, that maybe are, maybe. are lying underneath there i'm but, just saying but the other thing that's really important with this hire is just it's a person who establishes a culture and that's just like i'm just talking about like an office culture like mm-hmm. Um, and, and by all accounts, Darren, while he was extremely competitive and, you know, again, not every decision he made was maybe the best one. Um, there was, there is a good working culture there, uh, at Atlanta United to from some what, extent. Well, I'm, there I mean, it's, hasn't always, it, some of that. It, well, it hasn't always been that way for sure during his time and, and lots of personnel, uh, affect that. Right. Um, <laughs> Carlos mm-hmm. Bocanegra, maybe one. I mean, I think that those two individuals have very different personalities. And I think, yeah, so, you know, like I think Carlos, to be frank, I think he wants to like protect players and a little bit more, especially like from media. And that can frustrate people in the club, people who work on digital or media uh, relations, whatnot, because obviously there's different people who are asking different things of all kinds of different uh, people within the organization. But I guess what I'm saying is that like people generally like working for Darren, he, they felt like he had their backs. Um, This is for me, like talking to some people just about this. Um, And I think that there's now like a sense of not trepidation, but just like uncertainty as to like, who the next person is going to be, you know, like who, what are they going to be like? Are they going to, are they going to be as protective as Darren was um, over the club and kind of take a lot of the, you know, he would, again, part of him getting out there and putting his face out there was him kind of, you know, sometimes he was like biting back at some of the media narratives that were floating around, around Atlanta and I, but at least he was getting out there and kind of, I think a lot of employees felt like he was defending them um, at times and who knows like what, what's going to happen with the next guy. And now the question is, can Paul McDonough do the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> Look, y'all, his suspension, his suspension's up in 2023, mm-hmm. right? So you know what? You can hire him now and just uh, wait for that thing to, 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 to fade away. And Paul McDonough, back in charge of Atlanta <laughs> United. He, Doug Roberson told me he was at the training ground on whatever day that was, yeah. Friday. So, uh just interesting just interesting timing wasn't it wasn't it he becomes wasn't unsuspended it? at the perfect time i feel like i'm about to turn into the the brian windhorse <laughs> when does he officially become unsuspended do you know mcdonald's uh, like the end was, of this calendar year or something it was literally it was a two-year suspension oh uh, okay um, so, so we're probably approaching uh, that right now so i don't know if it was a two-year exactly to the day or a two uh 
seasons. Calend- oh, okay, I, I yeah, seasons. That might make more sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to parse through all that again, but look, no. Besides the 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 suspension and the sanctions and everything like that on Palmadonna, <laughs> the, the biggest argument against doing that because I have seen some people. Uh, suggest that maybe a little less ironically than maybe I I have been. <laughs> um, the biggest argument against that is that Inter Miami was a total ass disaster. Yeah, from the jump with him. Yeah, it, it's part of not all of that is his fault, but the roster build was terrible, and they had literally five DPS on the team. You can only have three guys. They had five DPS <laughs> on the team, and they were awful. They were just terrible. Yeah. So was was that, Blaise that, Matuidi a DP? Yes. Oh my. Even though they said he was. They said he wasn't, but he was. Yeah. Oh, my right. gosh. Exactly. Literally one and of the look, worst central midfielders in MLS. Like, <laughs> that, like you, alongside college kids. Again, what's the rule? You can cheat. You just can't cheat and also be bad. <laughs> right. And Inter Miami yeah. were that. And that's why they got sanctioned. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's why Atlanta and I didn't know. <laughs> anyway, this is gonna, we're going to talk more about this. <laughs> <laughs> with Felipe like I'm sure that's probably what this entire conversation is pretty much going to be about so there will be a lot more uh, to come on Darren and the shifting sands at Atlanta United but it's certainly obviously huge news um, and we'll be talking about it for a long time agreed agreed we're going to talk about the next couple games for a short time though or the last couple games for a short time I mean right now in sports prime game time Sports Prime Game Time, Joe Patrick. We addressed the RSL win in full on the Patreon, patreon.com slash five stripe final. But anything real quick you want to add from a win on Wednesday against RSL that looked much, much improved from Saturday's performance against Austin. Well, we could talk a lot about it, but we won't because we have so much to get to. But I, there was just two main takeaways. One was Gonzalo Pineda going to the back three, uh, which I really felt like helped the team. I think that everybody kind of recognized how much that shape helped the team. And for as much as people and especially coaches, for whatever reason, want to like assert that the team shape doesn't matter, it really does. <laughs> Like that's it's like called tactics and how you try to win games against other teams. Uh, anyway, um, the back three really helped it, it keep it kept them from being totally exposed when teams were kind of able to break their pressure and switch the sides. Um, even though they were kind of outnumbered, they had better personnel and players in better positions to defend in those situations. Helped them also win some aerial duels. The very end of that game against RSL, they were having to defend crosses like their lives depended on it, and they did. You know, they were able to clear all the danger and included a corner. That was literally the last play of the game, something that has been uh, a total bugaboo for them this year. And they were able to defend that. And I think that part of that is down to having the personnel in place that having the three center backs in the field allows you to. You were mentioning that Gonzalo Pineda kind of dismissed the the idea that the shape really mattered. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I think he was maybe just kind of bummed that he had to do it. Because <laughs> like in an ideal world, right, you don't have to add an extra center back to, to cover sure. everything up. Yeah. And, you know. You can play a back four and have your your center backs and whoever's kind of sitting deeper as a midfielder cover enough ground for your fullbacks to feel comfortable getting forward. That is not the case. No doubt. With this team. No doubt. That Tata, Tata the lamented the same thing. He never. He, yeah. Tata never wanted to go to the back three that was so successful in 2018. <laughs> he just recognized that he had to because it allowed his team to have more control. 
It's like a it's like an artist realizing that they're gonna have to like make a a mural for like Pepsi or something for the next like month. You know, I get yeah. I get the bummer, yeah. right? It but it's, it's just pragmatic, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, and we'll talk about that list more. Um, con- we'll continue to talk about it because it's going to be something that Atlanta United sticks with, surely, I think, um, over the coming weeks. And maybe maybe at some point they break out of it. But I just think right now it is what this team has needed. Uh, the yes. other big takeaway from this RSL game was Ronaldo Cisnero scoring a first half brace. And I think particularly because of his movement, the way he was making his runs, the penetrating runs that were getting vertical and players like Tiago Amada, Marcelino Moreno were able to find him on those runs. It just makes you wonder um, whether he's a better fit for the team than Joseph. He then got the start again against Orlando yesterday. So I think that there was clearly some recognition of that there yesterday. What do you think? Yes. Some recognition of that, I think, but I think we talked about this. We may not have talked about this. I may have written about this, but there is tape on that now, right? Like people know Cisneros is going to make the runs and everything like that. And when you play a team like Orlando, that's very comfortable sitting in. I think you see some of Cisneros' limitations kind of come to light pretty quickly. So I think this may end up being a game-by-game basis is my guess for this. But there's no denying that Cisneros' movement is simply better right now and more active. Against RSL, Ronaldo Cisneros made 21 attacking runs that challenged the back line. Against Austin, Joseph Martinez, in the same position, made nine that was the lowest of any attacking player on the field. Simply not good enough from that perspective. And Cisneros can offer that. Now, if the team is sitting deep and like Orlando literally has absolutely no intention of trying to do anything in attack once they go up one nothing, then maybe Cisneros not going to be the, the answer to those problems. And I think I was watching the game back and Taylor Twelman kind of hit on it at halftime. And I think he was right, and which is saying a lot for me to, to agree with Twelman here. But... I think it was right. I think Joseph needed to come on at that point and start dragging defenders if he could, start uh, creating mm-hmm. space as a false nine in some sense, right? It's doing some of the false nine-y kind of things that he's been uh, willing to do for a while now and maybe too willing to do. We can address that in a second. But mm-hmm. I, I think going forward that might be the way it is to look at what kind of line of confrontation what kind of block is being set up and decide okay is Cisneros going to have the space to go in behind or do we need someone who's better on the ball and what's interesting is that typically you're going to find those higher blocks where there will be more room in behind against better teams so Mm -hmm. like is it one where like you're starting Ronaldo Cisneros over Joseph against the more talented teams like the bigger profile games essentially that you're going to be playing um yeah i mean i think it's an open question as to how that's going to go forward but you're right you were very right about orlando seeming to be very prepared for those runs that cisneros was making because i noticed like they were he was trying to make those runs and they were trying to get the ball in and it seemed like there was an orlando defender just in his back pocket just ready to go and was not really allowing those service to come in and that's why he only touched the ball like four times or something in the first like the first half hour (laughs) I'll add to that it does make it more difficult when Almada is not in because Almada may be the most incisive. No, Almada is the most incisive passer on the team by a pretty considerable margin and and seems to be able to find Cisneros making those runs a little easier. Made it a little more difficult for him yesterday as well. 
Amada changed the game yesterday when he came on and Lenny and I was a totally different beast. Um, Throughout the game, the team was good in terms of denying attacks, but you can just see on the uh, game, uh, the uh, goals added game flow chart, this Atlanta was doing relatively well, but then when Almada comes on at the hour mark, it's just pretty much all Atlanta for the rest of the game, except for that one Pato shot that went off the, post at the very very end um he's just able to do so much his technical ability he's able to allow you to maintain possession um and control establish control over the game and then he's also just that guy who is just so good at finding the that passing lane for the through ball to get it into the forwards um and he can get in around the box and have a shot himself we've seen him score from that distance already this season so he's got a lot to him the thing is and you know i asked gonzalo pineda about this about how he how impressed he was with the team just dominating the game, not really having Orlando, letting Orlando have any possession of the ball, despite the fact that players weren't in ideal positions toward the end when he was just throwing on all of his attackers. And he had Tiago Almada in one of those two central midfield roles. It was Mateus Rosetto and Tiago Almada p- playing next to each other in what he called a 4-4-2, which was interesting. It was kind of a lopsided 4-4-2 because you had Caleb Wiley getting super far forward on one side and Parata not really doing this the same on the other, mm-hmm. which is, na- you know, you would expect considering he's a natural center back. But uh, yeah, I mean, but I thought that, you know, there were some times where Tiago lost the ball because that's just what he's going to do. We've talked about that. Talented players lose the ball more because they're trying more stuff um so that's one of the risks that you take but fortunately just with the defensive solidity behind him it wasn't as dangerous for atlanta united and i think that that's one of those things when you we talk about this back three you know if, uh, a couple months ago gonzalo pineda was like really frustrated after a game that they had drawn or maybe even lost and he was like it just feels like we have to do everything perfectly in order to get a win and i just feel like this back three allows them that little bit of uh, margin for error so that they don't have to be as perfect and they still have the solidity behind them that they're not going to get punished for every mistake that they make uh, and that's going to be a good thing for this team down the line but anyway to bring it back to, Al- to to Almada he was he was a huge difference maker in the game and you saw him he obviously assisted on the goal and was just creating chances throughout that's a great ball it was perfect it was perfect flat Uh, coming in right in between that center spot mm -hmm. right around the center spot uh where the goalkeeper couldn't come out for it it was it was perfect yeah the tempo increased too and i i want to i can't quite decide whether that's i I think it's both i'm gonna say it's both it's down to fresh legs and also just abata's ability in general to move the ball and progress the ball quickly uh, the, the urgency and tempo picked up in a major way with with all of the subs really it kind of kept increasing right as we went along with Almada coming in and Joseph coming in and eventually Dom Dwyer coming in uh, there was that weird thing where Eruju was kind of like a, a wing back almost yeah, at yeah, times yeah. Um, which was fascinating to see that but it was the right call by Gonzalo Pineda to recognize that Orlando just had absolutely no interest in trying to get forward in any capacity just none, right? Even with the subs they made that were seemingly more attacking, they just had no interest in, in trying to get forward and, and pin Atlanta back in any way. And so once he recognized that, he said, all right, let's 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 just go full throttle here. And it was the right call. And it really should have paid off in a win. It really should have. It, yeah, it should have. The final XG in this one, 2.2 for Atlanta, 0.2. 0.2 for Orlando. And the only reason they scored is because Rocco Rios Novo uh, forgot to, to stand in the, in the in the goal. So <laughs> that, that shot from Pato off the off the bar toward the end that was their only shot in the second yeah. half. Yep, 
You almost so, were expecting just because of that. You almost expected to go in against the, <laughs> with the luck they've had. I'm sure but with the luck they've had, it would have been extremely, extremely Orlando and Atlanta. For yeah, exactly. Orlando to win that game, <laughs> right. and Atlanta and I had to lose that game. <laughs> right, right. That's right. just the way the season's been going for both of those teams. Yeah. It, but I, I want to add to this idea that the tempo increased and everything else kind of increased at the end. Is that mm-hmm. the the crowd recognized that mm-hmm. and there was an energy and attention to what was happening mm-hmm. that hasn't been present at the stadium in a long time mm-hmm. in a long time. And I don't know if it was just because like Orlando heightened that, but I think it was simply the crowd feeding off the players actively attempting to make something special happen, which felt like the norm for a long time in Atlanta, but felt like a breath of fresh air yesterday. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, I was actually just texting with an Atlanta, an Atlanta United uh, staffer or DMing with Atlanta United staffer uh, after the game yesterday, and we were both. I noted, I was like, dude, that the uh, that other side, the supporter section side, popped off in a way that I've not seen. I've not seen them pop off for a goal like that when Parata scored that goal in a long time. I, I think I literally said out loud, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. As, yeah. as everyone celebrated, because the, the absolute collection of beer and drinks flying into the air and the limbs and everything. Yeah, the just limbs. Flying everywhere, yeah. right? Beautiful. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Um, and you can only imagine what would have happened if that Dom. Dwyer shot went in, didn't get saved by Pedro Galeza. He had a great comment, by the way, last night. Were you the one who asked him if he was going to celebrate it? Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, I wasn't going to, but God, if that one went in, I may have had to celebrate. (laughs) Such a good shot. I mean, yeah, Dom was amazing, but you're, you're totally right. Like he, uh, or, um, the, the fans just saw wave after wave of attack, you know, and, um, that's what, that's what people want to see. They want to see the goals. They want to see the attacking soccer. They want to see their team trying like that, you know, um, not to say that like the players don't try all the time, but you know, to the way that the team was fighting for each other and able to, to compose those attacks yesterday was something that we haven't really seen in quite a while. And, and to talk about fight real quick, they went down early. The goal was stupid. It was totally just unnecessary for, for what Rodriguez Novus was doing yeah. there. Um, and I think before Saturday, I think before the come to Jesus meeting and everything like that, I think this team probably folds after that. I think this team probably capitulates in a, in a pretty noticeable way. Instead, they, they kept fighting. Yeah, they get, and they kept playing with energy, and they nearly got a win out of it. They would get frustrated. They would get apathetic. They would just kind of, like, throw their hands up and, like, kind of be woes me, I think, while being frustrated at teammates and things like that. I thought it was kind of striking how flat out Gonzalo came out after the game. It was like, Austin loss was a good thing for us. <laughs> the team is back. Um, and basically saying like he doesn't think he basically agrees with you in that sentiment. Like I don't think that Gonzalo Pineda thinks that they would have responded the way they did had that Austin loss not happened. So in that respect, mm-hmm. I think he sees that and everything that happened afterwards as a very good thing for this team. Despite the fact that I think it was getting twisted as like, oh, Joseph is sowing discord by like saying what he's saying. No, I, I think that mm-hmm. just the release of all of that was exactly what the team needed. And I think that the, the group is has a tighter bond together because of it. I hope so. Again, the question is, can once the motivation is gone, can the discipline hang around? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that's the big question, especially with the with the big road game coming up as they head out to L.A. 
Joe Patrick, anything else we want to touch on before we head to a quick break? No, let's get to a break uh, because we need to talk about Lucid FC. Lucid FC is the presenting partner of Five Stripe Final. Uh, you can get, get their shop in Buckhead. Uh, it's open by appointment and walk-ins 1 to 8 p.m. daily. It's located at 3209 Paces Ferry Place. Or you can visit them online at lucidfc.us where you can use DSS as your season-long promo code for free shipping within the United States. Uh, on lucidfc.us, you'll find athletic-inspired heritage sets now available. French Terry Cotton Athletic sets per, uh, perfect for performance and recovery i personally like to lounge around in uh, athletic gear i think that's the best use uh, but i like to f- but i feel athletic while i'm lounging which is the greatest part um you can check out how they look on miles robinson as one of their models uh and all other sorts of people which you will find on the website again they have new releases this summer from uh every thursday on lucidfc.us so check them out there and again use dss as your season-long code for free shipping I'm looking at the line now. I really like this one. I think I mentioned that last week. There's a, a shirt I particularly like, and it happens just it happens to be called the United shirt. Oh, nice! Good. It's nice. Like a purple long sleeve. I really dig it. I really dig it. I might get it. Like really, I might get it. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Joe Patrick, we got to get to these questions first, though, and we'll start with a collection of of questions that kind of had the same thought, right? Uh, last week, <laughs> Wes, Wes asked uh, this question. What is the probability each of the following individuals are still with Atlanta United come March 1st, 2023? Eels, Bocanegra, Pineda, Joseph. We do we have our answer? Said, do we have our previous answers on record? I mean, they're yeah, on record I mean, technically last, somewhere, last but do we know what they are? Oh, yeah. I, well, I mean, I don't think we really even ascribed. I ranked. Right. To it. Yeah, I think yeah. He ranked. Yeah. And Eels was not at the top of that list yeah. in any sense. I, I think we all agree. He was at the other end. Really, the only person <laughs> in danger was, was Boca Negra. Yeah. And uh, oops, got that one wrong. <laughs> uh, so Wes says he would love a revisit to this question. Yes, um, I want. Yeah, this is good. So okay. now, who do, we, who do we have left? We have so, Boca Negra, Pineda, Joseph. Who's, who's left? <laughs> Um, yeah, so Darren, obviously, 100% gone. Uh, I would put Pineda as the least likely to go, and I would put him at almost 0%. I guess we can't mm-hmm. say anybody 0%, because that's what I would say uh, are, st- oh, wait, are still with Elena. So 100%, I guess. Um, getting confused. I'm more so, and this is so. This is a change for me that that has come uh, as a result of the, the the Darren news. Is that I kind of feel like I'm more on board with the idea that both Bocanegra and Joseph could not be here next year, as to where I didn't really see that as a possibility prior. Yeah, real quick, I meant to add this question into this. Ryan Dubbs says, what is the chance the club moves Joseph in the offseason? Uh, it seems like Twelman and Longshore both indicating the club might do it. All that kind of thing, right? Um, and yeah, I think you're right. I do kind of get the sense that there might be a, a willingness to maybe renovate a little bit. I, I've heard some people kind of mention that like they need to, to tear it all down, right? And completely blow up everything. I don't think that's the case. I think me and you have both been pretty resilient in the, in the sense that like we think that this team is just a few moves away and not like all the moves away mm-hmm. um those moves could come relatively easily i think and it just depends on what the the new person in charge wants to do with it right uh as far as joseph goes i think we can address that one straight on yeah right? yeah i think it all depends on what he wants to do with his new contract right Right, if he is willing to accept maybe a TAM deal 
you know, and not take up a DP spot. I think you. Then I it's think a, you're pretty okay with. I that. think it's a no brainer if that's the yeah. case. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you would take Joseph on the D- Jurgen Dam contract, <laughs> which is like kind of crazy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. As long as he's not taking up a DP spot, I think you're very, very, very comfortable keeping him around. And and I, I think one of the reasons you do that is not just for the production on the field, but I think that it comes down to, and again, this all goes kind of back to the culture conversation, but it's like, do you value the connection that he has back to those teams prior the, to those teams that were dominant in MLS. Um, is that important to you in your locker room? Or, I mean, I guess you could also make the the opposite argument. Is it important for you to move all of that out? <laughs> and there's like totally, you know, restart in that sense to re- renovate, as you said. Um, I think that's kind of the big question. There's obviously also the big question from kind of the, the non-playing side, but obviously Joseph Martinez is as much of a mascot for Atlanta United as Darren Eels has always been. So it's like he's such a big part of the marketing of this team and all that um is does that play into your decision making at all again i think that yeah i mean i think that you should try to keep those connections that fans like uh and clearly fans have an adoration for joseph so i think it would be worth on a tam deal but i think you know the 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 conversation gets really tricky uh if 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 you if you're not going to be able to agree to a tam deal and it seems like it's dp or bust He's not only got to agree to a TAM deal, he's probably got to also agree to somewhat of a reduced role. Probably. You know, yeah. I, I just don't because necessarily see him starting every single game next right. year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's getting he's Even getting up year. there in age. What is he going to be? He's You'll be signing him on for his year 30, 31, 32 years um, mm-hmm. post knee surgery. I mean, it's so tough um, because, you know, Joseph, he said it when he was kind of given that spiel to the media last week like that he feel he feels like he has devoted his physical body to Atlanta United like that is the amount of commitment that Joseph Martinez has made uh, to this club and so I think he would feel extremely spurned if like the club didn't like uh, recognize that and like reward him for that but at the end of the day you know it's the technical director's job to put together the best possible team that's going to win a championship. You know, Alex Anthopoulos always talks about that. He talked about it after having to trade Freddie Freeman. And um, obviously there were some other issues around that particular deal, but you know, it's just one of those things where you don't pay players for past production. Unfortunately, fans will always remember the past production and what Joseph has given to this team, both physically and emotionally and all that. But um, that's just, that's just conflicting interests in terms of Joseph and the technical director. Especially in a league where you only have three spots for yeah. high-paid players, right? I think if the DP rolls were kind of out the window here, you just kind of pay them and then don't really think about it twice, you know? Uh, yeah. Just even just have them around. But in this case, when he's taking up that critical of a roster spot, you kind of have to consider uh, what production he's going to give you in the future, and that's probably not that high, to be quite frank. Yeah. That being said, you kind of mentioned this yesterday to me, Joe Patrick, that if they're gonna move on Joe Joseph, then they gotta they gotta do it soon, right? They gotta do it like this off season because they're gonna lose all their leverage once he's out of contract, right? Right. So if the decision is that they need to move on, then we very well might see a, a trade for Joseph Martinez, which is just a, a sad statement thinking about him going to like I don't know Colorado. Rapids I think the, the Galaxy shit, right? potentially. I think 
Chicharitos nah. in the last year of his deal. Mm, I'm trying to think of teams that, that would overpay for a, for a, <laughs> for a uh, DP. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know where he fits, honestly. I don't know what team's going to pay him a DP deal, to be totally honest. Because that's essentially it. If you're trading him, it means he's getting a DP deal somewhere else. Right, exactly. So, and I think that he'll definitely stay in MLS. It's hard for me to imagine him. Like, I feel like he'll be most valued by MLS clubs that those clubs are be the one will be the ones who pay him the highest salary as opposed to like going back over to Europe right again all of this is moot as long as he is willing to accept lower than a DP deal mm-hmm. which I think is possible at this mm-hmm. point and you know the, the one other thing I mentioned to you yesterday just really quickly the the club could try to convince him that he will have more market value post playing career if he does stay in Atlanta United shirt for his career whether that comes down to like brand promotion or marketing with the club or without the club or whatever, you know, they could make that argument for him as well as a way to try to entice him to take maybe a lower salary deal. For sure. For sure. Philip Jeffcoat asked, do you think with Darren leaving, it's time to tear it down with the new hire? This team hasn't seemed to have an identity since Tata. I, I, I'm just curious to what people really mean by tear it down. I, I just want to know right. what that is. It's a pejorative right? phrase that people probably you know just subjectively have different uh definitions of and that's what i was like kind of pushing back on this in the discord the other day not that like i necessarily like disagree with something i just want to like clarify the terms we're talking Mm -hmm. and what does dp mean does it mean you're like selling or uh what tearing down means does it mean like just like selling off all your dps i think that that's something that like they were alluding to i listened back to felipe's spaces where he had david goss on and i think i forget who it was and paul tenorio was in there somebody was like you just got to sell all your dps and just like, I was like, no, no, I would not sell. <laughs> like, you have like really talented players there. You should not be selling for 80 cents on the dollar or even a dollar on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you've got really good pieces there. Um, so, like, that's like, but are there other moves you can make on the roster? Absolutely. Like, I think that they should try to move out some names, um, higher earners. They already have a big task on their hands. They're going to have to deal with the Ezekiel Barco situation, the Eric Lopez situation, two players that are out on loan that are on big money. So there's obviously things that are going to have to happen. I don't know how much like blowing it all up, whatever that means is uh, a solution. Are you asking me, does tearing it all down just mean like renovating one room of the house, like the middle of the house? like the midfield of the house <laughs> yeah, right? Right. <laughs> and, and restructuring that entire thing because you have my attention there. You have my attention. Uh, does it mean just exchanging uh, like, I don't know, what's a good metaphor for a center back? Like the, the rug of the room. Do you mm. want a new rug? Mm-hmm. that's not Alan Franco. Really brings the room uh, together. Exactly. So it, <laughs> that stuff all seems plausible and it seems doable. Right. That's to me, isn't tearing it down. That's just making moves to better the team Mm -hmm. in some sense. Miles Robinson is, is, is blowing it up, meaning selling miles Robinson instead of signing him onto an extension. That will probably be a very high end Tam deal. Hopefully I think Mm -hmm. for the club's perspective, I don't know. Yeah. I think you're spot on with that, by the way, I do want to mention real quick that I think miles is is a Tam player in the future, which makes sense to me considering injury history and his Mm -hmm. value and everything like that. So, I don't know. B- blowing it up in my head sounds like you you start another rebuild. That doesn't seem like the move to me. I, I think you can just exchange a few pieces and make this whole thing click. Just using that terminology to me 
signifies that there's a lot of like emotion behind that that like people are angry and want to like you know blow it up or tear it down um so yeah when we start to use that language it's uh I, I think it conveys something there within the fans. It's like they want major changes at the club, but I don't think that that necessarily means some of the things that some people think that that means, which is to like, yeah, sell every single player or most players or whatnot. So anyway, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, Tony says, if Arthur Blank had to choose between Garth Lockaway or John Thorrington, why would he choose Paul McDonough? <laughs> That's a great question, uh, it, and it does kind of speak to something I have been wondering about, which is. How much knowledge do the folks at A and BSE have of a Garth Lagerway or a John Thorington? Mm-hmm. Thorington's not going anywhere, by the way. Don't throw that name out there. I, I would yeah. be stunned. Stunned on so many levels. If I think that was that just was for the possibility. Bit. Yeah, right. Um, Lagerway, though, has some potential. Uh, Tim Bespachenko in Columbus has some potential. Patrick Smith in Colorado, I think, could potentially fill both roles. If you are looking to bring in a president and... A GM at the same time, right? Um, I wonder if Steve Cannon, who is running this the search and is now officially like the interim CEO of Atlanta United, I think was the terminology used okay. for that. Now that Darren is gone, um, how much MLS knowledge is there, and who are, who are they going to consult with to make sure that MLS knowledge is there while they conduct the search, or is the whole search just a big? A flashing light show so they can say they worked real hard to, to find out that Demetrius Estathi was the best guy for the job. Sam, my job, I only have to cover Atlanta United and Braves and soon-to-be Falcons, but it's not that much. And I barely know who John Thorrington is. Steve, Steve Cannon has to, like, oversee... No one reasonably should. <laughs> Steve Cannon has to oversee, like, major companies like the Falcons, Atlanta United, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, um... Those are taking up a lot more brain space, and yeah, I'm pretty sure he probably does not know who a lot of the GMs are. Thankfully, he has a consulting team that will be uh, that will know who these people are and have good relationships, and he will be able to discover more about them when he talks to them in the interviewing process. But uh, yeah, he probably is specific individually probably does not know much. He's more, <laughs> like he's more of an operator. Like he's just like his job is exactly, to facilitate right. the process That's, of. This is not a knock on Steve King. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. Right. This is this is saying uh, I just I hope they will be proactive in, in finding these things. Maybe by maybe by listening to this podcast, Joe Patrick. I'm imagining <laughs> oh, Steve Cannon sitting there taking Jeez. Garth Lagerway. Um so. it's with an E, not an A at the end. It, exactly, right. <laughs> exactly. Um so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how they go about that process. It'll be interesting to see who is involved for that process. Maybe Astathiu himself will be involved. Oh, sure. For that oh, process. yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Right? Which is interesting. It's kind of like, like I don't he's know, a candidate. Your governor running an election <laughs> that he ends up winning or something, which we aren't familiar with right I'd here. Definitely take that uh, Astathiu guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seems like a good dude. Really handsome. So, I don't know. I think we'll get some clarification on that at some point soon. I think Steve Cannon will speak to the media at some point soon, and we'll get a better idea what all of this will look like. But I'm interested. I really am. I'm interested in the timeline, right? This comes at a weird time for Atlanta United during the middle of a secondary transfer window. You wonder how much of their plans have already been laid out, and I kind of doubt there will be. Well, no. No, I don't, actually. I think there will be a move or two left to make. And it'll be interesting to see how they handle that with Darren on the outs, I guess is my thought. Um, So a lot of stuff we don't know yet. A lot of stuff. Rubber anchor 
ask, and I'm going to group all these together because we just had a ton of questions about little tactical things. Herber Anchor asked, should we be a two-striker team? Uh, Ty Quinn says, is a 3-4-3 with Moreno Almada pivot guaranteed to concede three goals per game? If so, should we just YOLO and try to score four? Uh, ATL UTD14, parentheses, James, says, what's your best guess on Pineda's default starting 11 right now? Uh, and when Gutman and Heinemann are back, do you expect both to slot back in? And Pineda Head17 says, we now watch Marcia Almada play well together and Marcia Ruzio play well together. How do we get all three to play well together? And then he wrote out the word exhale, which is appropriate for for all that stuff i just had to read right there uh a lot to touch on there but essentially it all comes down to what is the best lineup Mm -hmm. for this team right now and what does the best lineup look like when andrew goopman is healthy Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think that for me i would still say it's like it feels like i absolutely hate the guy but uh like marcelino moreno would not be in my best 11 if i had every 11 if i had every player healthy he would not start for me uh i understand and he would definitely be an important player that comes off the bench and tries to help you win games especially if you're trailing or even if not but like for me i uh who wrote it uh ty quinn mentioned like moreno almada pivot uh let me take that we saw tiago almada playing as a central midfielder uh behind the, the back three or Yes, technically, again, Gonzalo was calling it a 4-4-2 yesterday, but he was playing as one of those central midfield roles. It worked in that particular game, but he was coming off the bench, so he was fresh and had healthy legs. Almana is typically not a guy who's going to play 90 minutes. He's probably going to tend to play 70-ish minutes before he's pretty exhausted because he does do a lot of sprinting throughout games. I think the the statistics uh, back that up, mm-hmm. that he's doing a lot of that dynamic running. So um, he's not a player that I would want to field off – out of the from the start as a central midfielder uh i just think he's more dynamic as an attacking piece and so i would play him as like one of the front three and when we're talking about like a three four three like don't think about it as like two wingers and a striker it's just like three forwards who are circulating around trying to make attacks happen so he would just be one of those three and then i would say the other two are luis araujo and then either one of joseph martinez or ronaldo cisneros for me i obviously i prefer joseph in most games but i could get on your line of thinking sam in terms of like trying to you know do pick pick and choose based on between those two on certain matchups but that to me just leaves out marcelino moreno but that's because you're in a back three i think that that's just one of the things that you have to concede is when if you go to the back three you have to sacrifice an attacking piece and for me that attacking piece is marcelino moreno what about you i literally i can't disagree with that in any way i think you nailed it i think you nailed it when gutman is back obviously i think he's gonna start over caleb yeah yeah i did too just just the process but fun wrinkle you can throw in now is moving caleb up top and having uh, a player who's effective getting forward and who likes to attack space but also has defensive capabilities that's always really fun i think him and gutman have worked really well together when they've both been on the left side and now you have an added luxury there so Gutman starts I don't know about Emerson I think Sadich has been totally fine and pretty good actually yeah over the last oh, yeah. couple games yeah, which yeah. is fun uh Hosetsu's been decent again we we all know my feelings on the midfield as a whole but they've done enough to be effective in a formation that can be tough to be effective in at times uh when you only really have two central midfielders in there. Yeah, I was going to say, so yeah, in, with regards to the central midfielders right now, I would start Sadich and Rosetto together um, pretty consistently. 
when Emerson Hyman comes back, you can start to rotate him in. But I don't think he should just be given a ch- like a, a slot right back. I think that part of this thing that's going on with this team right now is players have to earn their way onto the team. Like I don't think you can have a Joseph Martinez who just because he is so established and uh, has done so much in his career, you can't just like he's not ordained the the starting striker of this team and I think that that should be the same for everybody everybody should have to kind of fight their way onto the team with their performances and training and in games so I would stick with this current pair that you have Marseidic he's not like he's not gonna do anything spectacular but he's also just extremely consistent and does pretty much what you want out of that role so uh, make somebody beat him out for it make somebody be better than him and if that's the case then you're getting an even bigger upgrade agreed Joe Patrick we've got to address the refs now i know we don't like to do this but yeah we got to do it right quick rubber yep. anchor says do you think the mystery of why orlando is doing better than their stats say they should is really just they pay off the refs <laughs> uh, and b milton hall says i know you guys hate talking refs yes yes we do but what happened on the free kick seemed like rocker novo asked for more time ref gave a thumbs up then blew a whistle miscommunication question mark is rocker novo done now even if ref maybe to blame as well first and foremost the ref wasn't good yesterday yeah it just wasn't he just wasn't consistent, missed calls, didn't control the game well. Uh, yeah, not great. Not great overall, even though Gonzalo uh, somewhat sarcastically, I think, <laughs> he was, he was, that I was all laughing. refs are perfect. He was like, they're the best. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, the ref is always right because they are the best. <laughs> Congrats to Gonzalo on not getting fined by Disco this weekend. Good work, Gonzalo. <sighs> Uh, let's talk about the Rocky Rio Snowbo thing. Remember when Tata was like, those refs are going to be representing you at the World Cup. That's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, the Rocky Rio Snowbo thing, I went back and watched it from the broadcast, right? So I got to see the full kind of run of things there. And there is miscommunication. He is holding up his hand to the ref to wait and the ref assumes that that is a thumbs up i think and mm. gives a thumbs up right back to rockeria snowbo and says yeah but i got you we're ready we're both ready we're here to go he blows the whistle though at yes. that point and rockeria snowbo stays on his post i guess there's an argument and there's a world where he doesn't hear that but it came through extremely clear on the broadcast and once that whistle is blown no one is going to give you the benefit of the doubt over the next few moments so you can politely set up your wall, right? At, mm-hmm. at that point, you have to get in position. And that is a that is a young mistake. And that is a mistake you just can't make because Mauricio Pereira went, oh, okay, sure, why not? And, and just slammed it home, mm-hmm. right? So that can't happen. It shows his youth and inexperience, I think. And he's got to do better there. And I think... Sir Patrick, I, I think I'm really at the point now where you just got to put Gadinho in and have some of that experience and, and potentially have, again, a, a shot stopper who may be better. Maybe. right? Yeah. We don't know for sure. I see him try and stop shots at, at training every now and then. He is a big body, and sometimes it takes a lot to get a big body going. I, I don't know if he will be much better, but he might be an improvement. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree on Gadinho. I, I think that, you know, it, it, honestly, for me, it wasn't even like this play that made me think that there was like there was some other play where uh, the ball like got behind Rios Novo, but didn't cross the goal line. He was able to smother it, but it was like very awkward looking. I said like, oh, that was like me in the media game where like mm-hmm. somehow the ball. Yeah, just 
did not look like professional, I guess, <laughs> um, <laughs> the way he deals with some situations. Uh, and I just mean that like it just doesn't look like a like a like a top top division goalkeeper uh, in handling some of these balls. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I think it just comes down to when Godinho is going to be ready. That's what it seems like to me, uh, the way that Gonzalo Pineda has talked about it. On this play, I I mean, I agree with what you say. I mean, Rakos Rios Novo has to be ready for that when the whistle goes off. I will say a couple of things. One, there was another whistle in the crowd, and I was hearing it go off during the game. Yes. And I had a I had a friend who I talked to afterwards who was in the stands, and he said that it was like very clear, and it was like confusing him at times because he thought the play was getting stopped um, when this whistle would go off. And I was hearing it as well, and it was giving kind of making me do double takes at times too so there were there is that that could play into this with regards to the whistle being being blown i would also I say love this i love this i i just want to say that real quick i just love <laughs> that like we have like in-depth whistle i'm just right yeah Atlanta United. the other thing for me is that i feel like the ref um i don't know if it's proper for the ref to like allow a miscommunication like that to change the the score line in that fashion um if it were me, I would probably call that play back and give the and give the goalkeeper a yellow card for time wasting. He did a whole bunch of other goofy stuff like that throughout the entire game. You know, he, did. Where he would just like suddenly just blow the whistle after a play had started and be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, let's do this my way. Yeah, there was a few. T- yeah, there was a couple times where there was set pieces taken or whatnot, and uh, yeah, and he was calling them back and having them retaken because he wasn't ready or whatever. So that's just how I would have handled it personally. I don't really know technically what like the what the refs are like what the protocol is in these kinds of situations. If they you know they should. I mean, like it's something that you say. <laughs> like he, I had I had a buddy who like played like high school and college soccer and he was like apoplectic about Rocco Rios Nova like you got to be ready like you got to be ready at all times and I told him he was really channeling his Alpharetta dad um with your <laughs> you got to have your knees bent triple threat position uh-huh. you know uh-huh. have your uh-huh. be focused at all times Jim Patrick you have a radio hit in 11 minutes <laughs> I do let's let's get let's get going <laughs> let's keep going uh, Dra- Dragneel 611 says how many more games does Parado have to play like that to be a dude I thought he was good uh, again, I, I wish we didn't necessarily have to be in a back three to cover up for some deficiencies for for some of the the center backs. But uh, again, thought he was de- pretty decent. Uh, didn't have to do a whole lot of work, to be totally honest. Uh, good physical presence, though. Clearly, right? Seems to be good in the air. That from every indication. And then we got to see a little bit of that on the free kick goal. Pretty solid. I noticed some leadership skills too. He was like, he was a lot of times waving for his other center backs to push up and like kind of using, like holding his arms out to like create the the back line, which I liked. Gonzalo Pineda added that one of the reasons Carlos wanted to bring him in was because of his uh, aerial threat, especially attacking wise, that could help them on set pieces, like what happened yesterday. And Dom even added on to that, saying that he says that uh, that's not going to be the the last goal that we see him score this year. So, oh yeah, hopefully there's more, and I expect him to keep his starting spot. John Nason says three at the back and only toward the end of the game where we seeing Wiley and McFadden push constantly into the final third. I think they need license to get further up the field from the opening whistle. Thoughts as to why that hasn't been happening. I have my personal opinion on that. And, and Gonzalo Pineda actually, I think, said this after the game, which is that against Orlando's fullbacks in particular, yeah. in particular Huan, you can't do that. Yeah, You just can't, right? And once they recognized that even Huan wasn't even really getting forward at that point, right around that 60-minute mark, those substitutions and everything like that, they said, oh, okay, Louise is now the right wing back because who cares, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why that happened, right? Uh, They were just concerned about transition moments with Huan. Totally understandable. He's he's probably been Orlando's most 
threatening player pretty consistently, I think. Yeah. At least one of the most consistently threatening fullbacks in the league with his pace. And again, Wiley and McFadden have been playing tons of games every, you know, 90 minutes every game, or I guess not 90 technically, but they've been playing a lot. So shout out McFadden, by the way, who I thought was really good on the ball. Yeah. Yesterday. He had one yeah, turn into spaces. the box that's like, man, you wish you would see that from Joseph a little bit more, but Joseph's first mm-hmm. instinct is, seems always to be pass it backwards. But Oops. well done. Yeah. Oh, real quick about that Joseph thing. Like, there was a moment where he could have turned yes. like that. Yeah, he was right. in a half space and immediately passed it back. Again, I, it's back to my thing that I've been saying for a while that sometimes he's just too consumed by trying to be a different player and having to like rework himself. I I think he's also so used to having defenders just draped on his back that it's just like natural instinct for him to do that. And like in that one specific case that you mentioned, he could have just totally turned and would have had a shot on goal probably from a good area. Uh, Henry Aguida says, when might we see some action from new kid out of mascara and how's he fit in the new formation they're rolling with? That's a good question as far as, like, how does he fit in the formation, the formation they're yeah. with? Because he doesn't. Yeah. Right? So, I, it, so it'll be interesting. I, I bet we see him as a substitute when exactly, he arrives. He exactly. Knows. He'll be a substitute and probably Change when they're changing shape up. or doing something like they did against Orlando. Yeah. I don't expect him to be, like, a huge player for this team down the regular, end of the regular season, by the way. I expect him to play more of, like, a Jake Mulraney type role. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. Which Jake Moraney played yesterday. I don't think he had a touch, but yeah. Jake Moraney played yesterday. I don't know if y'all noticed that. Uh, look, Atlanta keeps Atlanta quiet for the most part. Where, the result doesn't work out. Just as a as a final thought for you, Sam, like what what were your overall th- like? What was your vibe after after that game? Because I was like kind of enthused, honestly. Like I was kind of like, okay, I think this team is kind of getting it together here, despite the fact that they didn't get the result they wanted. I was encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. Encouraged. That's a good uh, again, word. I, I just want to see it keep going. Really, yeah. Right. I just want to see that energy level stay. Whether well, away from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And a great test for that is a cross-country trip to the Galaxy, who are also struggling pretty big time right now. There will be a lot of chances, I think, to capitalize on a high line there. I think Cisneros should start on Saturday. And I think that, you know, you catch two Western Conference teams maybe at the right time with L.A. and Seattle up next. And if you get wins there i think you have set yourself up for a chance at a at a pretty plausible playoff run which would be nice the only thing that i kind of went home and got concerned about was i looked around the rest of the east again and realized that again all the other teams seem to be improving pretty quickly mm-hmm. watching cucho hernandez score yeah, for he's columbus last night he's really impressive that's a team at landing that it has to compete with there are all these teams that it's just a pile up right now and it's going to be tough to sift through, but mm-hmm. with the talent level and if they can put that level of energy out the rest of the way, there's a chance. Yeah. I mean, what would we say? Like Atlanta, if you get hot and get a playoff spot, you can make a run through the, through the playoffs. Well, they're going to have to kind of start that getting hot and making the run through a little bit earlier. Their playoffs is like kind of starting already because <laughs> they're going to have to yes. beat really good teams to get themselves just in contention to continue to beat teams in the play, good teams in the playoffs to win something. But yeah, it's, it's hey, possible. It's possible for them. Just keep looking across the, uh, across the conference at, at Minnesota, who was pretty much like, I kind of buried them a yeah. little bit. I think everyone had kind of buried them. They've won four of their last five and they're suddenly in a home playoff spot in the West. It can happen wow. that quickly yeah. in MLS, right? Yeah. So it can happen. Uh, stay strong guys. 
Stay strong. Uh, Jeff Patrick, anything else before we get out of here? Check out the Patreon. We got great stuff on there. You will not be disappointed spending five bucks to listen to Paige Parkey and Jeff Lorenowitz talk for over an hour about Joseph Martinez, Team Dynamics, Tata Martino era, all that stuff. So definitely check that out. And then we'll also have Felipe this week. So you get, you know, you're, you know, you're going to enjoy that one. So you're going to get two at least great interviews, plus a lot more. Sam's doing all sorts of film breakdown uh, on specifics, really good stuff. So check that out. Five Stripe, uh, was it patreon.com slash five stripe final? Patreon.com slash Five Stripe Final. Let's get out of here. Bye, y'all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece. <laughs>